I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, I think we've decanted for long enough. It's time to sit back and enjoy Two Sharp Reds with Mark Schwarzer and Ollie Geel. Yes, that's right. It's my favourite time of the week. It's time for another episode of the Two Sharp Reds with myself, Ollie Geel, and Mark Schwarzer. Mark, I tell you what, it feels like forever since we've done this. And it's been seven days, as crazy as that sounds. But it just feels like a long time. And you know what? It's getting ever so close to us actually doing it face-to-face. I know. I mean, the rules are changing, <laughs> lockdown's changing, everything's changing. So we're not far off. You know what actually also uh, makes me really happy is the fact that you've said it's still your favourite day of the week, even though yep. you're now Mr. AFL in London, in, a, in the UK. You've got your own show, you're big time yeah. Charlie, you, yeah. you think you're already there and you still think this is your most favourite, this is the favourite moment of the week. Yeah, I, th- I mean, I think it is. And, but even if it's not, I'd say that because do you remember after my first episode of the, the AFL show I've got, I missed two of your phone calls and you thought, oh, he's changed. His, yeah. head, his head has exploded. No, I didn't say that. I didn't think that you would change. I actually wrote that you'd change, Mr. Superstar. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't. I haven't. Uh, I still maintain <laughs> Monday afternoon is by far my favourite time for not only a sharp, but for, for the episode itself. Um, I've gone for a beautiful bottle of red for t- today's episode. Uh, it's a 2018 Saint Emilion Grand Cru, it's called. So this is, it looks like a beautiful bottle. And to celebrate the Grand Cru, uh, I'm wearing my new crew shirt, which came uh, just days after the mighty crew, Alexandra, got promoted to League One. So See, it's, I, it's I was wondering nice what that was. See, I thought, you know, having this AFL blood in you, in you that you do have and yep. being on TV all week, I'm looking at this massive big V. Down your shot. I thought it's a bit AFL. Oh, yeah, big, fair enough. The, the, yeah. It does not look like a football shirt. It looks like an no, AFL. This is a nice sort of 1980s drill top. Right. So is that what they call it? Is that, is that what they call it? You'd remember that era, wouldn't you? Anyway. Um, yeah. See, I so, don't, anyway, I'm going to go with a Merlot. It's a shock horror. Calicera. It's from Chile. I actually just received it today in the post. It was a, it was a, a surprise gift. Yes, it was a surprise gift that was given to me because I, I um, took part in a, another podcast. Mr. Dan Hemingway, Front Optus Sport. Sorry, you did what? I know. I took part in another, another uh, podcast. Jesus. Mr. Dan right. Hemingway, Front Optus Sport, uh, his friend. And as, out of a thank you, he's given me a, he sent me a bottle. And it's a Chilean bottle of red. Merlot, the 2018 Reserva, Calitera, and I'm very much looking forward to this one. This is, what is it, the quality tree with its evergreen foliage surrounds the Calitera vineyards and our, uh, and our forest slopes. Can't even read it. How bad is that? So little. <laughs> creating a magnificent... Yeah, that's the problem. ...with other Chilean native species. Fantastic. 
Mm. Well, I mean, it sounds like a beautiful wine. I've not, I don't know how I feel about the way you got it. It was interesting that you didn't bring that up. Was it, is it, a, it's not a wine related show at all? Just to make sure that... Uh, well, it's, it was about, uh, we, we talked about the, the 2005 World Cup qualifier against Uruguay. Um, the, the guys I did a podcast with, they're, they're, English, they're English guys who are based in Brazil. And they Fantastic. follow South American football. So they knew all about it, uh, about the games. They also referred to the 2001 qualifiers against Uruguay. So there's a lot of history there. They know their sure. South American football. So they wanted to talk about it. And uh, one of the other journalists who was on board, he was actually at the game in Montevideo um, when we played against them in 2005. So wow. he was able to, to give his recollection of the game, the experience of what it was like being in that stadium. And did you mention two sharp reds at all? Did you drop it in? Just I a... didn't, mate. Sorry. No, no. So I didn't you mention... crack at me for all my AFL work, but I still mention it. I still mention it. I get it in there. Do you get it in there on AFL? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Really? Yes, absolutely. In fact, make sure you're watching this Friday at 10.15 on BT Sport because I've got uh, the great Brad Ebert coming on uh, from Port Adelaide who uh, gave us a selection of his beautiful hay diddle wines from uh, the Barossa Valley. So he'll be coming on. I'll give you that one. I'll allow you to say that now yeah. because you gave us those bowls of red wine. So yeah. say hi for me. And uh, thank you again for those bowls of red wine, which were delicious, I have to say. Good. And um, just any, whenever he's ready, we're, we're ready. Cheers, mate. Let's get into Dude, it. Are you going straight from the bottle? That's what I want to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'll, <laughs> I might have a paper bag, actually, to put around it. <laughs> now, Mark, uh, I've been a little bit overwhelmed, I've got to be honest, in the lead up to this because... Over the last few months, it's just been, well, what do we want to talk about? Do you know what I mean? It's been, well, okay, let's just get some stuff off our chest. What are we thinking about? But over the last week, we've now got some genuine storylines. And it's, it's incredibly interesting to just sort of think, geez, is this what it's like normally? Is this is what's going to... I tweeted out yesterday saying, well, it should be a quiet podcast. Not much to talk about. There's <laughs> stacks to talk about. Uh, look, I don't know where to start, but there's one game in particular that I think we should at least start with and then we can work our way back and choose our own adventure as we go along. But it's the Arsenal-Brighton game because I'm sure you would have been laughing when you were watching it because it was one of the more entertaining games in terms of... You know, Arsenal went ahead. They lost 2-1 in the end. Neil Mopai uh, sunk the gunners in the end. Uh, the Aussie boys, they were fantastic. I thought Matt Ryan in particular pulled out some fantastic saves. Um, but there were lots of little storylines throughout it. And so let's start with the, the elephant in the room, which was the Mopai and Bern Leno injury. Um, look, I mean, my argument is it looked okay, but... Um, sort of Leno was coming to the edge of the box and sort of wanted to pull himself back in so he didn't have so he didn't bring the ball out um and Mopide was very ever present um resulted in in what looks like a pretty bad some sort of ACL injury for for Bern Leno how did you see that that play out and and in particular Leno's reaction to Neil Mopide I was surprised by Leno's reaction because what I actually saw I saw it the other way around so I saw the reaction and then I saw the incident later on because I didn't, right. didn't quite, I was, I was in the car, I didn't get to see the game live. So I, I was a little bit surprised, thought, okay, this must be a pretty bad challenge. And then when I saw the challenge, I was, I was a bit, I was just surprised. I was a bit like, he's clearly, because he's so emotional and so upset that he knows he's seriously hurt his knee, that he's just angry. And he's reacting in that way. Because I don't think there's anything wrong with the challenge. Okay, maybe there was a bit of a nudge 
Um, it was just the way he landed. I don't think it was... I think there was definitely no serious foul play. It was definitely... wasn't even aggressive. It was just one of those things. And it happens every week. It happens probably pretty much in every game that you get a bit of a shove as a goalkeeper, whether someone gives you a bit of a, a slight push in the back, whether, you know, when you're going to collect the ball. That happens quite frequently. And 99.9% of the time, nothing happens. Nothing, you know, no one gets injured. It's just really, really unfortunate that Bert Leno has injured himself. I mean, he, he has looked sensational. The game against yeah. uh, Man City, it's the best game I've seen him play. I, I thought he was excellent in the game. And I was always a little bit unsure. I, you know, I thought always that he's done really well. He's, he's good with his feet. And I was unsure about his actual goalkeeping ability um, in terms of was he top, top notch? That's what I mean. No, there's no doubting he's a good goalkeeper. But what, is, he, is he the level to take Arsenal further? And I was, I was doubtful of that. But now having watched him, and I know it was only one game, um, but even leading up to this, the break in COVID, I thought he was starting to find some rhythm and some consistency and some really high-level performances. And then the game against Man City, the game could have very easily ended up 6-7-8-0 in favour of Manchester mm. City had it not been for Bert Leno and how yeah. superb he was on the night. Um, so it's incredibly unfortunate they've lost him and uh, looks like they'll lose him into probably next season if it is an ACL, um, yeah. which is really, really unfortunate. So the reaction, going the, the full circle that I did, I was surprised by. The only yeah. thing I can put it down to is it was an emotional reaction because he clearly knows he's injured. And he's a pretty level-headed guy, though, normally, isn't he? Like, he doesn't come across like he's going to blow his, blow his head off at the drop of a hat, which is, no. that's probably what I was surprised about. Yeah, absolutely. You know, when you think about it, right, so you, you, you go back to when Petr Cech got injured and when uh, Stephen Hunt went through on him, and, he, and he, he kind of, as Petr Cech grabbed the ball, he went down on his knees and, and full-blooded with his knee in his head. And he didn't mean to get him in the head. He meant to, to have some contact. But I felt that the reaction to that was nowhere near as extreme as the reaction that Bert Leonard gave after his injury. But, that, but the challenge from Stephen Hunt was infinitely worse than, than, than the one on the weekend. So that was a little bit of a surprise to me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the, Neil Wopai as well featured uh, towards the end of the game, which I'll touch on just in a moment. But on Leno. Notice afterwards, um, Martinez, who came on for, for Leno, um, it was pretty good. I mean, let in, let in the two goals, but in terms of generally it was okay. Uh, speaking afterwards, he said all the right things about, you know, well, obviously I don't want to come into the team in, under these circumstances. But it was really nice to hear him talk about him and Matt Macy and how the three of them all have, you know, they've got a private WhatsApp group and they're incredibly close. Um, just Could you shed some light on, I mean, I'm sure it would be different between three other goalkeepers, right? Um, but I'd imagine there's no friendships in that circle. I, I, I just can't picture it. Like the intense rivalry you must have, maybe not as third string, you know, you go, well, you know, I've got a little bit of work to do here. But I, I can imagine Martinez must be doing flips inside. He couldn't believe his luck, surely. Yeah, in one side, on one side, he's definitely ecstatic that he has an opportunity. But I, I'm not saying, I, I would actually believe him when he says that. I would believe to say that, that they are very close as, as a group. See, I've had, I've had the mixed experiences. So I've had times when the group is very tight, the goalkeeping group. You may even have two or three of you who are really, really close and one's the anomaly. One of them is yeah. the one that believes he should be playing, doesn't actually really want to be that friendly because he'd rather hate you or rather you know, have, have some grievances with you because yep. it makes them easier for them to compete against you. 
Um, and I've had that experience. I've had both experiences. You know, I've had times where the actual group is just, you just get on as in terms mm-hmm. of it's a working relationship and nothing else. There's no social aspect to it. There's no, there's no communication outside of football. And even when you are in the dressing room, you may have the odd chat with them, but nothing major. So I've been in those experiences. I've had those experiences as well. Um, like, you know, just the example, when I was at Fulham, my number, the number two behind me was Pascal Zubilla, and the number three was David Stockdale and Neil Etheridge with number four. So I still have to this day very good contact with uh, Pascal Zubilla and Neil Etheridge. I don't, I don't have any contact with David Stockdale whatsoever. It's not that we fell out and don't speak. If I see him, I'd say hello to him, we'd have a chat, but it's just you have different relationships with different people, and sometimes you can have a really, really close one. Same as at Chelsea, I was very, you know, I was very, I got on really well. The first season I went there, there was myself, uh, Petacek, uh, Hilario, um, and, and we got on all really, really well. And I still to this day speak to them. You know, uh, I text them, uh, we have conversation, whenever I see them, we get together, have a chat. So I, I, I have a good relationship with them. There was never any, you know, I think it's about if you know your place in the rank. Yeah. And right. if you're content. So when I went to Chelsea, I knew Petacek was number one. Hilario knew Petacek was number one. He knew that he was number three, kind of training goalkeeper, and that I was number two. So there was never a, there was never that there was competition that you wanted to push each other. You wanted to do as well as you possibly could, and of course you would have loved to have played, but there was an utmost respect for one another. Mm. So and and you just knew what 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 part you had to play, what your position was within that group. When you've got younger goalkeepers coming through who are a little bit on the fringes, they play a couple of games, do okay, all of a sudden their confidence goes through the roof. They believe then that they should be playing week in, week out. They believe that after two or three good games that they have the right then to be number one, no matter how they got in. And sometimes that works. Sometimes the manager goes, you know what, I can actually see this and he is far better than the one I've got in goal, so I'm going to stick with him. So it it doesn't happen very often, but sometimes it happens. And, And so therefore the relationship becomes a little bit more tense. It's not that it's, you don't talk to each other, um, but you, you, you just have a very much a working relationship. Uh, it's been an interesting uh, sort of, what's it been, six days since the first game. I think it was on the Tuesday. So about six, six days. Uh, there's been some not very exciting games, if we were to be totally truthful. But one game, I think, which was the standout, which was a game that you covered, Mark, uh, the Tottenham Manchester United game. One, I'll ask you, what, what did you get out of it? And then the real elephant in the room that I want to ask about is De Gea. But I'll leave that just floating in the air. But what did you make of the game in general? I thought the game was really good. I thought the, the level of intensity, uh, the standard of football was, was very, very good and probably the best game of the week so far. I think in terms of standard. Um, yeah. and, and for the, 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 the length of period of time in the games. Um, the experience itself was a bit bizarre because I've, I normally catch public transport when I go to the game, right. but we were forbidden to, to take public transport because of the, the, the added risk um, of being in, in an area where so, lots so of people are. Public, public transport, do you mean from London? Uh, or this, yeah, so is it to, get to the ground or just in... Yeah. Well, yeah, on the day to go to the game. Yeah, they, they, right. they, they said to us that we needed to drive. So I, I got an opportunity to park at the stadium, which I've never done before, which was kind of cool. You could go right up and yeah. you kind of go up in the new section. It's on the first floor. It's, it's pretty cool, I, I have to say. Um, to and then you, you were playing? Yeah, it was, yeah, was kind of <laughs> like that. Yeah, it, was, it was nice. 
Yeah. And then you, you enter through, I entered actually, because I got there so much earlier, on the reverse side of the stadium. And you have to walk around the concourse. So to walk around the stadium and there's not a soul around there. And as you're walking, the sensor lights are coming on and all the lights are coming on as you're walking. So you can wow. imagine, it's a bit like a horror film. You're kind of almost like looking over your shoulder thinking, geez, is someone coming? Yeah. Like, you know, who's going to pop He's out of the Spook me, yeah. Yeah, is someone going to, am I being punked in a minute or am I going to get stabbed yeah. in a minute? I don't, I don't know. It was just, it was one of those moments. And it took me about a good 10 minutes to walk through around the concourse at the stadium. And uh, it gave me a good opportunity to, to have a look at the, the famous bar, length of the bar yep. at one end of the concourse, which was yep. impressive. Listen, if, you, if you're as an Arsenal fan, right? Even if oh, it's, it's pretty cool. Got to go. yeah, have you yeah. ever been there? Have you been? No, I've seen, oh, I've seen photos. Go. You've got to go. Yeah. It, it yeah. is impressive, mate. It is so like, they didn't have the shutters closed? It was all... No, it was all open. It was all open. Not an open for business, though. You can't, you can't... No, it was all closed, like locked. Yeah. Like the yeah. machines and all that were locked and the fridges were locked. I tried, couldn't get a beer. Naturally, yeah. But, and then obviously they've got this pretty cool thing, you know, where you put the, the cup down and it fills yes. up from underneath, which is pretty cool. But hey, mate, they did that at the Fulham game I went I know, to. So I know, I am not just, that impressed. It's, just, it's cool, but they brew their own beer. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. That's, that's yeah. impressive. Which I yeah. haven't tried, by the way, and I haven't been. I've been there on match day, but I've always been working, so I haven't actually had a chance to enjoy the game. And and I, I listen. I it, to me, it is. I'd have to say, in terms of all the all the stadiums across the country, it is the most impressive for me. I mean, my what, favorite what? ground. My favorite ground is is Craven Cottage, right? Because of the atmosphere. I mean, you, you unfortunately haven't. You didn't get a chance to experience it in its element because the main stand had been already ripped down. But the, the uniqueness, the, the closeness of the game, the oldie world, the, the heritage listed, Johnny Haynes stand, the, the stand to the cottage in the corner, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Cool. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like, it really is. And if the sun's, the sun's shining, you're on the Thames, literally on the Thames, it is a remarkable place. And if you're going to walk from train stations, which may take you, you know, Putney Bridge train station takes you probably about 15 minutes to walk, the weather's nice. It's, it's a beautiful afternoon to go to watch football. Um, but in terms of state-of-the-art, impressive structure, I, every time I go there, I just go, this place is impressive. This, this place is so cool. Um, but to, to wrap up the experience of the game, which I'm sure we all saw, it was pretty quite clearly the most entertaining in terms of um, standard. Uh, De Gea, though, is he the most overpaid goalkeeper in Europe, potentially, mate, he was average. He has been, you know what? Like, I, I don't want to talk about players' wages and and all that sort of stuff, you know, because I, all I can say is good luck to him. You know, if, yeah. if a club is prepared to pay him whatever they want to pay him, and he agrees to it and he signs and does it, that's not his fault, right? That the finger should be pointed at Manchester United, not David De Gea, in that regard. Um, so forget about is he the most overpaid, whatever. You know, that, that, that's, that's a different discussion and other people can have that discussion. Has he had a bit of a torrid time? Yes. And he has had it probably for two years, if not longer. And when I say that, not every game he's been horrendous. No, he's, he's had some good games in between, but he hasn't been the David De Gea that we all saw and, and, and were admiring his, his consistency and his performances where that went through that run of, time at United where he was year after year United's best player yeah. and he yeah. was 
he was say he was probably winning them probably twelve to fifteen points a season single handedly, if not more. Well, and there was a stat, wasn't there, that was like that. It was just that if it wasn't for him, they yes. would be yeah, yes. like fifteenth or something. Yeah, that's right. So he has been sensational for them. So you know you've got the good and the bad. So when he first arrived, it, it was it was very very difficult for him, and there was a lot of talk about him potentially losing his spot, but not being good enough to be a Manchester United goalkeeper. And then he seemed to turn things around and played really really well. So then now is a period where things haven't gone so well. His, his consistency levels have dropped dramatically, and you know I had this discussion on Friday night when I was doing the commentary over here on the BBC. It was like, you know, a goalkeeper who is world class the maximum mistakes that he could make a season that lead directly to a goal is two. At, its very, at the very, very most, to be a top, top, world-class goalkeeper. Right. And, and that's kind of a year-after-year year kind of thing. Um, and, and therefore, you are top, top, world-class. He's just made way too many mistakes. I mean, this season alone, I, I, I couldn't even... I mean, it's probably... I, I don't know. I'm, I'm having a guess now. I'm, I'm saying he's probably six to eight goals mm-hmm. conceded that went directly to him on, on, in terms of just bad goalkeeping. And on Friday yeah. night, the first goal, when I saw it live, when I called it originally, I thought it was a great strike for Bergvin, Bergwijn. I thought it was a really, really good strike. And I thought he's been beaten by the pace and it's gone kind of like almost into the roof of the net. I didn't realise until I saw the replay that it actually was hit straight at him. Yes, it was hit mm-hmm. with pace, but it was hit straight at him. And when you watch it in the slow motion, his right hand is a fist and his left hand is open. And it tells me he doesn't know what he wants to do. He's, he's almost like he's caught in two minds. He's been caught out. He's been surprised by the, the pace of the shot. And he neither fisted it nor parried it away. So and in that it, scenario, it, from a goalkeeping coach, there's not a right or wrong answer in terms of two closed fists or open hands. Yes. But it was the, down to the fact that it was... One well, of each. And he's just... kind of the way he's done it as well is that his left hand is the one that's the open, open hand and the right is the fist. And his shoulders start to turn as the ball is hit and therefore it skids off the face of his, of his, of his knuckles and goes yeah. into the goal. So he hasn't got even a flat surface behind it. That tells me he, he, he was uh, undecided as to what to do with it and then he was beaten by the pace because it happened so quickly. And, and that's just... You know, that, that just sums up where David De Gea is at the moment. You know, he's lost his regular place for Spain. because Yeah, well, was, yeah has to. Yeah, I think he's a very lucky man not to have lost his place at, at Manchester United. I, I think mm-hmm. under normal circumstances, had there been, I don't know, maybe it's because of the fact they gave him, they gave him a new long-term contract that they're just sticking with him and giving him every opportunity. Um, you know, th- there's a similarities to when when Pepe Reina was at Liverpool, the last two years Pepe Reina was at Liverpool because he'd built up so many credits because of how well he played leading up to it. I thought his last two years at Liverpool, he was, he was for his standards, I thought he was poor. And that's the same as now, David Howe. For the standards that we're used to seeing from him, he's been in a really poor run of form, inconsistently, um, and, and, and time and time again, making mistakes that lead directly to goals and costing his team. So in, a, in an alternative universe, we're coming to the end of what would be the Euros. So alternative universe, if, if we're you know, in that position, would, he, he wouldn't, would Kepa be starting for Spain, do you think? I, I, you know what? And this is the problem that Spain have got because Kepa hasn't been seen in the world of light, has he? The only, thing is, the only thing I would say is the two of them have not played particularly well. Kepa's probably just been a little bit better. 
You know, he hasn't made any, he hasn't made as many mistakes. He's made mistakes, but he hasn't made as many mistakes as David De Gea that have directly led to goals. So that, that would be the only thing I'd say is that they were clearly, you know, Spain were clearly concerned about the, the, the levels of performance for him. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. From uh, De Gea, they've given Kepa a run. And that, let's not forget, it's a while ago since they last played. Kepa had lost his place, then got his place back in the team, and seemingly is playing better or had been playing better leading up to the, to the COVID break. And now, obviously, since then, he didn't have a real lot to do against Aston Villa. The goal that they conceded, I don't think there was a real lot he could have done about it. So, you know, so far, it's, he's done okay. Halftime drinks here on the Two Sharp Reds. And, Mark, before we get to the wine, well, actually, no, let's, let's discuss the wine. How are you enjoying yours? Um, standard, mate. Really nice. Standard. Really nice. Standard is in below average, like it's just a bit. No, standard, the sta- standard my standard is- res- my standard response is, you know, like I really really like it. Um, yep. It's very very tasty wine. I'm just trying yep. to look at the back here, and it, it just talks about that it's from an area that use you know tries to use sustainability within the environment. Um, it's commitment to handcrafting wines under a sustainable philosophy. There's no, there's no direct sort of uh, explanation or, or uh, yeah, description of the wine, um, but it's, it's a, it's a pretty. I think it's got a little bit of, bit of bite to it, even if it's a Merlot. You know, it's a little bit, it's a little bit spicy. Ooh, I like that. I yeah. like that. Yeah, um, I think you would like it. I think you'd really like it. Well, I need a little bit of that. That's, you know, that's sort of what a yeah, Merlot's a little bit. Oh, I don't know. You know, it's a bit. <laughs> like, it doesn't want to be offensive to anyone. It's a little bit. I'll just. Let everyone go first in the in the queue. So if, if Merlot's got a little bit little bit to it, I'm 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 up for that. But this uh, the Grand Cru that I've got here, 2018, is very dry. It's is it? very very dry. Yeah, wow. like it's beautiful, but it's I don't know. I mean, I'll have the bottle for sure, but <laughs> that's about. See, I wouldn't I've got, be. I've got a, I've got a description of my one. See now, it's, this is it's, okay. Hit me. Bold and structured. It's a very short description of it, but bold and bold. structured. So bold, see, being a bit spicy, I suppose, that's for me is... is, is or bold. Bold? Oh, that's... See, that's below the belt. That no, no, no I didn't say really, you. Hey, That's Mark, really not, below the belt. It is. Mark, you're not I'm bold. Sensitive. You're just I'm losing your head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking of halftime drinks, I have a bit of an issue with the return of football, um, which I've, I've told you about. And, I don't know how I feel about these players having a squirt of water after 20 minutes and then again in the 60th minute. I mean, it's technically summer here in England, but by golly, I mean, like, it's going to be... Look, I'm looking out the window now. It looks beautiful. And this week in particular, it's high 20s to, to, to low 30s. But some of those games, you do not need a drink of water. If you're peak physical condition... I'm sorry, you're going to be all right to go 45 minutes. Well, that's the question, see. Are they peak physical condition? That's, that's the question, see. So they've had a, a period, we've had a period of time of like three months where there's been nothing going on. 
then then all of a sudden they're back training and they've had a kind of conservative beginning to training again because of the restrictions in place uh, uh, due to COVID. Then yep. they've had a limited period of time where they've had contact training where they could really get down to some sort of business of, yep. of proper training. The problem there is they've had to be very careful not to push them too hard. So yep. to get any, to, to, you know, to sustain any injuries, as we've already seen, there's been, there, there have been injuries. So yep. I, I, um, like, under circumstances where the weather is, 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 is a hot day, and this week, like, like you mentioned, is going to be hot. So we've got some games this week. If it were, I mean, the games are later on during the night, so I don't think necessarily, depending on the weather conditions, I believe, so 12.30 kickoff on a Friday, uh, sorry, on a Saturday, and then the three o'clock yep. on a Saturday. If it's really, really hot, absolutely. Oh, I don't have a problem with it. You know, give the, the, the game I did at Spurs, there was, there were the, the, the 25, you know, the 20, 20 minute break, whatever it was. And I just thought it was a waste of time. Yeah. I, I thought they were a waste of time because the conditions, it was a bit of a, a, a cool breeze. It was perfect conditions to play football. I don't think anyone needed a break. In, in terms of someone's fitness, give me a spell. Like, you can't tell me that, okay, they might be a little undercooked, right? They might not be yep. peak, peak, peak. You're telling me that then, okay, let's have a minute and a quick squirt of water, and then that's going to solve everyone's issues. It's no, not you know, realistic. No, but you know what it does, though? It, you're replenishing your fluids. So you're taking electrolytes, you're replenishing them at times when normally during a game you're not able to do so. And that, that can actually make right. the difference between players getting cramps and not getting cramps. So if, yeah. you, keep, if you keep... You know, uh, filling up, topping up with your electrolytes and your and your fluids, the, you are less likely to have any issues afterwards as the game goes on. We still have seen players get come down with cramps, yeah. but I think it, it, it's going to it's it's heavily reducing the numbers that are because of the very fact that they're stopping and, and having those drinks. You know, it's trying to do something differently to maybe help prevent so many injuries, but I don't think it's working at the moment. Well, it's not. You're, you're spot on. So if we look over from Tuesday to now. Um, and, and I'm sure I might be missing a player or two here, but the, the standard list looks to be Josh King, Eric Garcia, which is a different situation. I don't think that's fitness involved. Um, John Stones, Bernd Leno, Granite Xhaka, Pablo Mari, Matip, and James Milner. Now, that's a pretty extensive list from a six-day period, really. Who was that and, other one? Was it your tip, you said? My tip? <laughs> my, yeah, my, my, a ballpoint. I think it was. <laughs> um, that's a pretty that's a pretty long list, and particularly actually particularly the Arsenal injuries, Jacker and Mari. That was a, a clear indication as to bodies not being in in yeah, the good condition. Jacker's one. I don't. No, I don't agree. The Jacker one is unfortunate. That is that right. is nothing to do with fit. It happened in the first what two minutes of the game, three minutes of the game. It's got yeah, nothing. Not so in my yeah. opinion, that injury has nothing to do with fitness back from okay. the restart, you know, if that were, you know, if it, it was just an un, unfortunate coming together of players, you can't say either of them were tired, either it was a missed challenge. No, yeah. I, I don't even think that. I just, uh, having watched it, I just went, I was actually watching it with my son and I went, geez, how unlucky is he? That is yeah. just really unfortunate the way that's happened. I mean, so a the lot other of the one other ones, a lot of the other ones definitely, definitely come down to, to the fact that there's been a break, there's been a quick, turn around trying to get people back to match fitness as much as possible, then all of a sudden there's these high-intensity, valuable, important games that you're playing. So one, one person in particular there that we touched on that, that certainly wasn't anything to do with that was the Eric Garcia incident. Edison just absolutely running through him like a bull. Looking back, it was, oh, it was pretty, 
wasn't great to watch. Yeah. Um, should, where do you stand? Because I watched it and I thought, I'll tell you what, two things. If he did that to someone else, uh, like is in his, if, if he did that to an Arsenal player, he would have been red carded. That was how I felt. And really? then the other thing was, was his reaction. I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a foul. I actually don't think it's a what? race. You see, though, he heads the ball. So you're saying if you get the ball first, you're then technically allowed to just pollack someone? No, no, no. As long as like, you... No, but he's, he's watching the ball the entire time. It's unfortunate. Maybe it's a free kick. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's a free kick purely because of the, 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 the pace he's come out, right? But he's, he's clearly got the ball. He's clearly going for the ball. And it's just... Garcia actually not not watching, not hearing, not listening, not knowing his goalkeeper's coming out. I'm not. So, I don't. I don't believe it's a red. Definitely not a red card. Absolutely no way. I thought his timing was incredible, and it's unfortunate again that his teammate didn't hear him, didn't see him, or thought that he was going to be out of the way. You know, I don't know. I don't know what he was thinking. Maybe he was just. So you think possibly it could be Garcia's problem. No, not, not it's, so it's an unfortunate incident that, that happens often. Defenders coming together, a goalkeeper coming out. When a goalkeeper comes out, it's the same old saying. You know what? He comes out, right, Edison, and he stops and doesn't get ahead on the ball because he's worried about taking out his teammate. The ball bounces over him and they go on and score. He's going to be crucified. He's going to say, the minute you come out for the ball, it's your ball. You'll go for everyone. He's done what every goalkeeper should be doing. And he's done it really, really well. And I, I, for the life of me, I don't see that being a free kick. I don't see it being a, a, a red card or anything. A little bit like what happened in the opening um, goal for Japan versus Australia in the World Cup. Oh, see, just because it's an Arsenal player, now you're, getting a, you're going below the belt. See, that's no, what it is. You could have, if you were just rammed through... Um, the difference is, right, the difference is, right, I, there was one Japanese player who was obstructing me with no intention to go for the ball whatsoever, and then the other yep. guy came across. So one's right. me out of the way, and the other one's come across, and nobody touches the ball that goes directly in from the free kick. Because right. I'm shoved so, out of the way. So that's a clear foul. And even the Egyptian referee apologized to me at halftime, and then after the game said to me, he said, God was on my side because in the end, the right, the, uh, the result, the right result uh, occurred. He said that at half time as well. Not not that comment, but he apologized. No, he, he apologized to me at half time. That he realized he made a mistake. What does that do to the psyche of both people there? Well, does nothing. Go, I still oh, got blamed in the change room. Of course, he didn't still blame me in the change room. I did probably <laughs> half my teammates. That's stiff. You go, no, no, no. Let and me I get went, him in here. And I went, what do you want about? It? Even the referee admitted he made a mistake. He didn't say much. That's yeah. a stitch up. Yeah. I, I like that he's admitted it though. So that's. No, 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 a referee, the referee admitted it, that he made a mistake. And he said to what me... What you... Oh, that's, that's reminded me. How did we not touch on this? Um, speaking of referees oh. making mistakes, it's not necessarily his fault, but goal line technology, how did that one fall through our net? I mean, how did you, how did you see that one play out? I mean, you know what my, you... my, theory, my theory on this is? Hit me. Somebody forgot to turn the cameras on. Yep. They said all seven cameras were obstructed. That's an impossibility. How can all yeah. seven cameras be obstructed? Somebody... Forgot to turn the cameras on. Is there, from what you're aware, because um, that the, the referee was checking his watch saying, I haven't got the alert. I haven't got the alert. Do you think that there's a system normally that you would rehearse it at the start to at least somehow almost send your phone, send your watch 
a message to say, like, you know, when you connect to Bluetooth, like when you connect your phone to the speaker, yep. Yep. you go, yep, boop, 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 boop. yep, we're on. Well, they test, it, don't they? they test yeah. it, don't they? They do test it before kickoff. So the referees come out on the pitch so what's... and they test it. So I think what's happened is someone has accidentally or maybe on purpose turned it off with the view of, right, we'll turn it off now, we'll turn it back on afterwards just before kickoff and they've forgotten. Could you imagine if that was on purpose? Imagine Well, that. conspiracy theorists now, right? So may, may, maybe it's 5G. I, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> that was what, oh, geez, I would have been ropeable. Yeah, but you know what? It's, it's unfortunate <laughs> for the referee because the referees, you know, everyone, everyone is so convinced that the, uh, you know, the, the goal line technology is, is almost perfect, right? And everybody's happy with it. Everyone thinks it's fantastic. And it's the one time it's gone horribly wrong. Um, and so, so my point is that the referee and everybody else is relying so heavily on the goal line technology to make that call. And the minute the referee goes, there's a goal, nobody debates it. Or if it doesn't go off, no one, gen- no one up until obviously the game the other day has, de- has questioned it because it's so, it's so certain. Yeah. The problem in this case, it, it was so wrong. So then why didn't VAR jump in? Why didn't the people in the office in the VAR station watch it again and go, hang on, something's gone on here. That is clearly a goal that has to be given a goal. I don't understand why VAR didn't take it over. Hey, Mark, uh, brilliant news for ourselves, um, for the, the greater Australian people, because Japan have pulled out of the 2023 Women's World Cup bid, which is huge, which means... Uh, if I've got it right, it's our bid along with New Zealand and Colombia. Uh, it's the final two. And I tell you what, I mean, I'm sure Colombia have a great bid, beautiful country, but oh, geez, oh, you'd think we'd be stiff by now, surely, to get to the final two and not get it. <laughs> you just, listen, I mean, we're biased, of course. We're, you know, we're yeah. biased in saying, of course, Australia and New Zealand have the best bid. I'm not, I don't know what Colombia's bid's been like. I know that FIFA have given Australia really, really high, um, um, what, what do you say, uh, appraisal of their bid. Said it was yep. very, very good. It was outstanding. But I can remember when we put our bid forward for the Men's World Cup in 2022, they, they came back with a similar kind of statement that the bid was a really good bid. Right. So you just never know. I mean, you'd like to think that, the, you know, the way that the system has now changed within FIFA. Um, but then, like I said, I don't know what Columbia's bid's been like, but obviously we're biased and we think Australia's the best by a long way and it should be given the World Cup. Let's hope it does happen that way. And obviously with having fewer nations now involved in it, it becomes mm. literally a two-horse race. And let's hope that we win that one. Well, the other thing would be if we do win it, you, you'd have to say... Matildas are then skyrocketed right to the top of the top of the list of people that are likely to win. You look at France; they were when they hosted the World Cup. They came up against a real juggernaut in the state side. Um, admittedly, having said that, they are a fantastic team that were certainly helped along by a home crowd. It was like let's let's be serious here. That is a huge advantage for any World Cup side. You'd think with you know. Yeah, Ellie Carpenters, for example, get a couple of years at Lyon and really develop into, to, I don't know, what, what should be what, 24, 25, around that. You've got a few Tillys players that are of that similar age. We'd be right at the top of the list, you'd have to say, 
to, yeah. to think that we, we could You've take it. You've got Cutley, who's obviously at uh, Arsenal. Samantha Kerr playing at Chelsea. Um, my understanding, uh, Kai Simons is, is potentially going overseas as well. I think yeah. the more players that we have, and the, the, all the, the goals are always all over the world. So whether it's, gen- it's generally been USA and Australia that they're yep. playing, but it seems to be now a real trend for them to come to Europe. And I think, you know what, I, I mean, the US team, that's, that's not better in the bush. They're a phenomenal side, uh, physically and, and, phys- uh, and, and mentally and technically, they're very, very good. Um, so the challenge is, I think, you know, to, to add a little bit more of a technical aspect to the Matildas. We've got right. the side, we've got that, that, uh, that ability to run in all games all day long. And they've gone to the U.S. and, and done so well. And particularly Sam Kerr has been, been outstanding in the U.S. I've always said that if you came to Europe, that challenge is a different one because the game is more technical. So it's yep. not a case, a simple case like in the U.S. that they tend to dominate because of the physical aspect of it, the, the pace, the physical, the fitness levels. And there's a bit of added skill in there as well. And they tend to, you know, a lot of balls over the top. Sam runs on the end of it and, and finishes and finishes really well. In Europe, I find that having, you know, she's only played a handful of games for Chelsea, but that, and even having listened to what she said about it, the, the, the adaptions that she's had to make has been quite severe, and it's a big challenge for her. And I think she'll come through out of it a better player. I think she'll actually mm-hmm. have, a, 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 we'll, we'll see a more broader, more wider, kind of all-rounded player in Sam Kerr, rather than someone at times can be a little bit, predictable in, in the type of runs yeah. that she makes. But we Even saw that she, in the World Cup, didn't we, that's in right. France? It was, that's a, right. it was a little bit, yeah. It was a little bit predictable. And the better players nullify that. The better teams nullify yeah. that. It, but being in Europe, um, playing, whether it's in the Premier League, you know, the, the, the Women's Premier League, or whether it's to do with then playing in, in, in the Champions League, which is, I think, huge for them. I think that is all going to be, or whether it's playing in other parts of Europe. I, I think the fact that they'll be playing Champions League football um, playing against some, you know, Lyon is the best club team in the world by, by all accounts. Um, that's going to be a huge challenge for her. And I'm, I'm excited for her. I think it's a, it's a brilliant challenge. And the more that we have Aussie girls playing over here in Europe, whether it's the UK, whether it's other parts in, 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 on the continent, I think the, the Matildas will become stronger for it. Mark, uh, it's, that's about all the time we've got for here on Two Shot Reds. Did you know as well, before we, we just touch on the wines, every single episode... When I say that line, I go, I'm not going to say this right. I, and I never do. I don't know how to properly say it. What, what, how would you say it? So that's all the time we've got left or that's all the time we've got? I, had all, uh, I don't even know how to say it. Right, that's it. We've run out of time. Okay. Do you want to do it? Maybe you do it. You end all it right. for me. I'll, I'll, give you, yeah. I'll give it a whack, yeah? Okay, mate, that's about it for time. Mate, we've run out of time. Let's get on with it now. <laughs> yeah, you, even, you couldn't even do it. <laughs> you couldn't even do it. You... Right. Yeah, so we've run out of time, Ollie. Give us your idea of um, the wine that you're drinking. Give us your thoughts. What's your player you're talking about? Or your, or your rich player? Um, don't be another Arsenal player, for God's sake, honestly. No, it's not. No, and you've done well there, mate. Um, <clears throat> no, it's not. But today's... Wine does have a theme to the Gunners. You'll know why, but it's not an Arsenal player past or present, so don't worry. Uh, but today I was drinking the St. Emilion Grand Cru 2018. It's a beautiful drop. There's no, there's no question, but it is dry. It is dry as all hell. And I, I did a little bit of research saying that the 2018 
vintage of this particular grape was when they started to hit their stride a little bit. Like that was the year that they figured it out. Um, and it's good. I don't think it's great, but it's dry for me in particular. And I think it needs to be compared to the man of the moment in Premier League, I reckon, at the moment, which is Neil Mopai, who really came onto the scene as a footballer in 2018, um, at championship level at least. But his interview, his style, his attitude was as dry as anything. He just doesn't really... He didn't care, did he? He didn't really care. I'm no. sure he cared that he hurt, hurt Leno, but he's like, well, it doesn't really bother me. I've just sunk Arsenal twice in one season. It's all good. So the, the grand crew is the, is the Mopai. Good, mate. Well done. Well, I, I've got a, I found a description now of my Calatera Merlot, Reserva 2018. It's a lovely, full-bodied and smooth wine, bursting with rich plum and red cherry fruit with touches of gentle spice. It has a soft, velvety tannins and a smooth, long finish. Just a really good Merlot. And I have to agree with that. So thinking about that, um, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a player, and I think a lot of women out there would think he's got a lovely body. He's got a lovely okay. body. He's, yeah. he's got quite a lot of artwork all over his body. Um, right. he's, he's quite a smooth-looking cu- customer. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's definitely bursting with energy. And we saw yeah. that in the first game back where he played against your team, Arsenal. Uh, he got a burst of energy and he took out his own teammate. Uh, he obviously has a lot of good touches. And a gentle side of him because he's, he's, he's up on the list of playing the short passes. I think it's like 99% of his short passes are completed and he's number one ranked. He's actually number one ranked on every stat there is for a goalkeeper when the ball at his feet, which is insane. Um, and there's no doubt to me that this smooth touch that he has and the way that he plays the game with that bursting energy uh, will be a long-lasting finish and will be there forever mm-hmm. for a long, long time which makes him just a really, really good goalkeeper. And, of course, it has to be Edison from Manchester City. Yeah. I, I reckon 85% I'd have to agree, but you can't tell me you speak to anyone who says, oh, I like his tattoos. They are bad, mate. They no, are. Imp- mate, like, no, I said there's, I'm, sure there's, 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 I'm sure there's a lot of women out there that think, you know, they're, they're, they're happy, they really like his body. And I said he's, he's got obviously a lot of, lot, of, uh, yeah. lot of tattoos all over him. Um, Do you like his body? Do I like his body? I mean, listen, from an yeah. athlete's perspective, I think he's got a good body. Right, okay. And what about from a, just a fan's perspective? Well, I'm not really a fan, am I? So no. I'll not, he's to, do it for I'll He's no Alfonso Davies, I suppose, I just, is what I you're just, trying to say. Exactly. No, listen, he's been brilliant. He's been brilliant for Manchester City since he's arrived. He's been yeah. one of, if not one of, you know, if not the best goalkeeper in the last couple of seasons, even this season, you know, where I think he, he's kind of like, he's flown under the radar a little bit and probably hasn't been as consistent, particularly early on in the season as we've kind of seen in the season before. But obviously the stats that, that he possesses... Um, uh, are pretty amazing, and the fact that he's that he's you know he's able to to continue the level that he's at for for, for the, you know this this long period of time um, is a big reason why Manchester City over the last couple of years has been been so good. Is that since yeah. he's arrived at the team? Love it, Mark. Well, uh, I do feel my most confident part of the the show is ending it um, right. on a high note. So I'll take it from here. But Mark, uh, thank you for another great episode of the Two Sharp Reds. Make sure you get involved on Facebook. You can join our private little secret squirrel group. It's uh, Optus Sports Two Sharp Reds podcast. Get involved. Make sure you click and subscribe because I'm sick of 
just Mark creating ghost accounts and leaving fake reviews about how bad the host is. So please try and try and sink his voice out. But Mark, thank you. Cheers and enjoy what will hopefully be another great week of Premier League football. I'm sure it will, man. It's been a pleasure once again. And I'm excited about the future. Like I said earlier on in the show, that we are going to be together in very, very shortly in person, face-to-face, and we'll be able to have our first bottle of red wine. And I think you've got the bottle of red wine. Am I correct in saying so? I'm looking at it right now. It is being not touched during this whole period, so yes. we're all good. And I'll be touched for the very first time when you come over. <laughs> Just like Madonna. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.